Our epistle reading comes from Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 15, and this is our sermon text for today. Paul writes, For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned, For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given, but sin is not counted where there is no law. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam, who was a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. What is love? Now you ask that question, and I know that some of you have that 90s song playing in the background in your mind, but What is love is really the question of our text this morning as we see God demonstrate a radically different love than anything that we've seen before. As he shifts from being concerned for our justification in some kind of legal sense to being concerned for our relationship with him in Romans chapter 5. And in these verses, we see such a contrast with the love that our culture talks about. And so this morning, as we walk through the text of Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 11, we're going to look at that comparison and contrast with what in our world we get right about love and what in our world we miss the mark about. And all of this ultimately to see that our God loves us into a reconciled relationship with him so that we would rejoice in it. Now first, to talk about the love in our world. And I don't think I need to tell you that or convince you that we have messed up love in our world. But just in case, we'll just reflect on some of the, the statistics of love in our world. We, we have seen how love has broken relationships. Right here in the United States, we, we are third in the world in divorce rate. Broken relationships. And that's per capita statistic. The, the amount of marriages happening in the U.S. over the past decade has decreased dramatically. And 
it's not for lack of investment because we put $30,000 on average into every wedding that occurs. That's more than a lot of us have put into the down payment of our home. No, we invest in love. We care about love. We have all of these dating services, compatibility services, or some, some dating services that even try to find somebody that's near me and breathing and show me a picture of them kind of services, right? It's not because we don't care about love, but I think our definition of love is that love is being with somebody who makes us happy. Love is being with that person that makes us feel comfortable. It's that, that pleasantness. It's that delight that we have in another person. And I think one of the most core ways that we define love in our society is that kind, of, that kind of butterfly feeling in your stomach or the lump in your throat with the excitement and nervousness that you have talking to somebody new. And honestly, if the statistics don't prove it, I think that the fact that the symptoms of love kind of match up with the symptoms of indigestion might be a hint that we might have gotten it wrong. I think often in our lives, we mistake love for the kind of Romeo and Juliet romance. But God, in our text this morning, shows us a deeper more powerful, more selfless love. You see, we love the things and the people that we delight in. But God loves the people that are, by any human standards, unlovable. Our text says this from verse 6, For while we were still sinners at the right right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For while we were still weak, is the word that Paul uses, while we were still weak. Now, now weakness in this word that he uses actually kind of reflects the sickness of our human state. That being the sinners that we are, we are weak in a way that we're diseased. We are diseased and our end of our weakness, the end of our sin, the end of our ungodliness is necessarily death. You see, God doesn't look at us and see the delight of who we are. He doesn't look at us and see the delight of the potential of what we would become because we have no beauty. We have no potential. We have nothing but this weakness, this disease, this sin that all of us participate in. Every time we say that my, what I want is more important than what you want. Every time that, that we share that story that's really not related to anything, but we share it just to make this one certain person look a little bit worse. Every time we throw a sarcastic comment like a bullet across the room, all of those sins make us incorporated into the sin of Adam. We are weak with the disease of sin. There's nothing delightful in us. And it's in that moment. And he says, at the right time. Now at the right time wasn't God sitting back and waiting until he got the butterflies in his stomach. 
No, at the right time for God was God organizing all things in human history to his will so that Jesus would be given for us at the perfect time. For us, 2,000 years before we were born, for the people Paul was writing to, maybe before they were born, maybe in their day, maybe when they were able to see their own sin already. But it was the perfect time because it was the time that God appointed that Christ didn't look for something to delight in, but he gave up his life selflessly for something that by all human estimation was unlovable. He gave up his life for us. And I think as we look at the culture, it's not that we don't have any examples of love. Sometimes when we, when we especially step outside of recognizing that love is bigger than what we think of as romance, we, we can see these examples of this self-sacrificing love. And we look at these examples and say, wow, that is a noble love. And I think of really the first movie that I remember that gave me the kind of gut punch, knock the wind out of you emotionally for half of the week, was the movie Seven Pounds. And some of you have seen it. If you remember the movie Seven Pounds, it's kind of an older movie now. The whole point of the movie is Will Smith's character dealing with this guilt. And the guilt's not important, but what is important is what he does to deal with the guilt. He finds seven people. Seven people that he could donate a part of his body to, so that he could donate an organ and save their lives. And he goes to these people and he does this self-sacrificial thing and the last organ he's going to donate is his heart. In that story, we see a kind of self-sacrificial love. We see a love where somebody gives up his life for others, and it is a beautiful story. But Paul recognizes that even that story falls short of the love that Jesus has for us. He says, for one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. And this is really the story of seven pounds. As Will Smith goes to one person, to another, and and tests them to see if they are the kind of person that's worth giving his heart to. Literally giving his heart to. For a righteous person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, he died for us. You see, God does not love the things that delight him. He does not love the people who are worthy of it. But he loves people until they are worthy. He loves the people who are the sinners, who who see God's commandments and in that sarcastic tone say, I don't care about those today. He loves those very people who reject him time and time again. He loves people like us. He loves us with his entire life. He loves us to reconcile us to himself so that he could welcome us into the household. 
And his love is even greater than any human love that we could ever possibly imagine because of this last verse. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. You see, Jesus on the cross gives up his life so that we would have that relationship with God. So that all of God's legal wrath, all of God's righteousness, which ensures that he will purify and purge all evil from his presence, Jesus takes that on himself like a sun flare going out and annihilating our sin on the cross. The wrath of God is satisfied so that we can be welcomed into his household. Not like God's righteousness is covered up, but like we are given that same righteousness so that we can come into his presence. You see, human love falls short because we look for that which delights us where God looks for the unlovable and he loves them into relationship with himself. And even more than that, in this next verse, verse 10, we see We see how God's love is so far beyond any love that a human being could imagine to grasp because human beings who give up their life stay dead. While we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son. Much more now that we are reconciled, shall we live, shall we be saved by his life. You see, Jesus didn't just stop at giving up his life so that we could live. He didn't stop at paying the price for the wrath of God. He didn't let us wander into God's judgment, looking around, wondering where the clerk of court was. But Jesus died for us and rose so that he could be our mediator. So that as we walk into the house of God and the devil stands outside telling us and telling God all of the things that we've done wrong, all of the reasons we don't belong there, Jesus lives so that he can silence the voice of the devil and say, this one's with me. We are not just saved by the death of Jesus that pays the price for our sin. We are not just reconciled by his great love, but he loves us so much that he comes back to life to see us through into that right relationship with the Father. Jesus loves us to reconciliation with God. And I think that that love, even as much as we might reach for it, is far beyond what we can attain. That love is something that we should strive for, but... In this passage, Paul doesn't tell us about this love so that we can love in the same way. He tells us about this love so that making a step toward loving in the same way, so that we would rejoice. Verse 11, he says this, More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We rejoice in this. 
This is the way we begin to step towards that love is to to bubble up with a life of joy. Being in the presence of God's love is like being set on the stove so that we bubble over and our joy goes out into the lives of our coworkers and, and our neighbors and our friends and our family members so that they see the amazing love of God. On this Father's Day, I get a chance to reflect a little bit on being a father. And when, when you're a new father, there are so many experiences in life that you get to see through fresh eyes. I remember the first time that I took Simon into a worship space. And, and he was looking around at people and I was kind of looking with him and I thought, this is a really weird place. <laughs> when we stand up and we sing, It's a really weird place because you have his mother, who sounds like a songbird, beautiful singing. You have me, who sounds like a crow, just kind of making a noise. You have other people who who are kind of passionately praising the Lord. And then you have a few people who just stand there like this. And I I think sometimes we forget that it is okay to smile in the presence of God. It is okay to rejoice. It is good for us to make a fool of ourselves while we're singing, and I promise you won't sound worse than me. It is good for us to come together and rejoice in this place. Because as we rejoice in the love of God, this love that is so far beyond any human love, as we rejoice in this place, well, it sets the tone for us to rejoice out in the world, to rejoice in all of the good things that God has done in a love that is far beyond any human love we will ever experience, in this self-sacrificial love that God gives us to bring us into relationship with himself. See, God doesn't love those who delight him. He loves those who are unlovable and brings them into a relationship with him. And after being in relationship with God, we can rejoice that now, now in relationship with him, we are a delight in the Father's eyes. Amen. Now may the peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.